We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and it was an absolute, just a week of nail biters around the AFC East this week. In a week where the division went two and two, and where the winners really won and the losers really, really lost. (laughs) I mean, chaos, anarchy, quarterback injuries. Oh, yeah. It was a week in the AFCs, folks. That's what I love doing. That's why I love this podcast. And I like that we finally gotten into a rhythm. We finally gotten, gotten a list of guests. And standing alone... The cheese does stand alone. We kick this one off with the New England Patriots. We're talking about the New England Patriots who lost in overtime 27-24 to the Packers. Christian Simonelli on the line. We're talking about nail biters this week. Holy shit, did you think you guys would be in this game to overtime? What? No, totally surprised. Um I mean, the line, I think it opened at like minus three, the Packers, and ended up going to 10 once Mac was out. So I didn't think anybody thought that they would even be competitive in the game. Um, that being said, I mean, I think Belichick's kind of getting a little bit overrated for this game as far as the game plan goes. Aaron Rodgers really just didn't show up the first half. Like, if you pay any attention to the Packers at all, he clearly wants nothing to do with his wide receivers because <laughs> – Number one, they can't get separation. Number two, when they do, they drop the ball. So he had, like, no interest in being there at all in the first half, it seemed like. And he kind of alluded to that in the post-game presser. So, but he showed up in the second half and, and you know, certainly made it a game. But uh, I tell you, the drama was certainly interesting, you know, with Hoyer going down and uh, 
and, and Bailey Zappi coming in. Bailey Zappi. So, 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 because from my vantage point as an outsider, I'm watching this and I say to myself, the Patriots are at the bottom of the division. But considering everything that's gone on in the last 11 days for you guys, there are worse places to be when you look at this narrow loss in a game that a lot of people assumed was going to be a bloodbath. So when Hoyer goes down, what was your immediate reaction in the moment? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> and I don't think anything of Hoyer. I just, you know, you got a fourth-round rookie behind him. And I don't care that he threw for, like, 6,000 yards, which was basically in, a, in, in, you know, a division form of college football that was like the equivalent of like high school. Um, you know, the kid comes in and it's like, oh my God, he's going to piss down his leg and throw three picks. Like Kenny Pickett did when he came in for the Steelers this week. Um, but I think it just speaks to the operation, like with Bill and the moment really wasn't too big for the kid. And he just, you know, they probably just told him, hey, if it isn't there, get rid of it or take the sack. And, um, you know, it, 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 he was right there. I mean, he had a nice pass that really hung in the air forever to Devontae Parker for the touchdown. But, I mean, he just, you know, he, he held his own. Um, he obviously did fumble on a sack where he didn't see the guy coming. But I just think him coming in and not completely, you know, like I said, just peeing down his leg and, you know, the team really supporting him and rallying around him, um, again, just sort of speaks to that operation with, with, with Bill and, the moment's never too big. I will say this, Bill was all over the sideline the whole game, um, especially right after Hoyer went down. He was, like, down on one knee when Zappi was on the sideline, and then he was with the defense. At one point, he was running up and down the sideline, calling for a timeout. He was arguing with the officials. seemed like every 10 minutes almost. Um, you saw life Bill, out of the guy. <laughs> yeah, he was really, he was really, you know, he really just was flying all over the place, and I – I think there's certainly a part of him that, that thought that they that they were going to have an opportunity there. Um, they did get really conservative with the play calling, though, towards the end. I think they protected the kid a little bit too much with the runs. but And I think ultimately that's really why they lost. I just I figure, I, I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel, but if you're in a game like that where you really, people really didn't have you winning anyways, even if Mac was in there and you're in the game and you're in overtime, just sling it. Just go out there and zip it, you know? Like, what do you got to lose? Oh, you take Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau to overtime. So, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so I'm looking at this game and I see like, cause he, Bailey Zappi, this is the thing, Chris, we're talking about a, a rookie quarterback being injected late in the game. Not uh, to his point, unlike Kenny Pickett, the team didn't just say, Hey, fuck it. This guy sucks. They were forced to put a rookie in the right. game. <laughs> Three of five for 62 yards and a touchdown from Zappy beyond 10 yards. I think that we've all gotten used to this idea that as soon as a rookie quarterback finds his way to the football field, you're almost obligated to protect him. Like, okay, we have to get conservative because there's a rookie in the game. This is just, and I think that that trend had, I think that's done. I think that those days are over if you watch the at least what Kenny Pickett was doing, even if he looked like a madman out there trying to do it. When you look at guys like Zappy, Pickett, these rookies are coming in and being put in and coaching staffs are going, listen, uncork it then. Fuck it. We, we trust that you came right. from a system in college that allowed you to throw down the field. 
yes, the windows are going to be tighter. Yes, the game is faster, but also we don't have a choice, and this is why you're here. Now, I don't know if that speaks right. to a level of impatience with rookies or if it's just a belief in the level of prep these kids are getting at the collegiate level. But either way, the fact that Zappy came in and had, like, I expected, because I only caught the, like, the tail end of the game. I was still out celebrating the Bills win. And I came in mm-hmm. and I go, wait a minute, the, pe- the Patriots are winning? What the fuck <laughs> is going on here? And it tur- like they did enough to support him that the team was still competitive down the stretch and had a, a second-half lead. The reason for that seems to be the rushing attack. Talk to me a little bit about this because I watched Ramondre Stevenson rattle off some some really slick looking runs. Obviously, yeah. Damian Harris was just the vo- he got the volume of carries and he showed well. Uh, what 199 rushing yards against a defense of the Packers that was supposed to be one of the NFL's better defensive units. You can't be. You can't be unhappy, right? You guys gave up 199. I'm looking at my numbers here in front of me. But you guys had enough to hold serve. He can't be unhappy with the play of your offensive line and your running backs, right? No, not at all. Um, And just to go back on your point real quick about the quarterbacks, I think that's even changed since Mahomes came out and he had that year to sort of sit. Um, I think it's a combination of quarterbacks being more ready for the pros and – really ownership of teams and coaches being less patient patient with team building and they want to have success now in the first year or two they want to have success um so i think that's sort of a combination of, of you know a couple of things but as far as the running game goes um you're burying the lead here boys you're burying the lead <laughs> marcus cannon returns marcus cannon. a year and a half marcus to marcus play jumbo <laughs> position okay to play the third tight end it was because of cannon okay we had the ghost of dante scarnecchia on the field it was great uh, um no but all kidding aside um I, I the offensive line we figured it was going to be their strength coming into the season the rushing attack was going to be the two-header approach with stevenson and harris and it looked so bad in camp because they were really into that zone blocking scheme that you know, it's kind of, we were like, geez, you know, forget it. They can't do anything. But it, it really was supposed to be their strength. So I was really happy to see that. Stevenson has been their best player on offense uh, through the first four games. The kid's been great. He's been catching the ball out of the backfield, too, which is something they didn't do uh, really a whole lot of last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if there's one thing he can lean on, I think I said this to you guys in the preseason, too, like that's their biggest strength is, is the running game. Not going to win too many games with the strong <laughs> running game in today's NFL, but um, you know they can certainly move the pile, and and um, you know they certainly did so on Sunday. Well, you can keep it close now. Yeah, I, I kind right. of I'm like I said I'm all over the place. 199 rushing yards because you guys had a respectable rushing total against a very good defense. You guys mm-hmm. put up over 100 what 150? 100, you guys hit almost 170, but you gave up yep. 199 the other way, and I know that that doesn't sit right with Bill. Uh, when you look at the defense, it, obviously Aaron Rodgers, by his own admission, to your point, he he doesn't he he's already tired of seeing those wide receivers, and I th- <laughs> the fact that it almost makes you it makes you question like what's going through his head, you know? They sign him to an extension and then they trade Devontae Adams away, and they're just like, well, man, this is what you wanted. Guess what you're going to get? Right. Devontae Adams, now you got Romeo Dobbs. Good luck. No. 
Right. Uh, so when you look at the job the defense did, he can't be happy with the play of that front seven. Where do you think the problem is there? Defensive line. Um, I think that they never really addressed defensive line, and they, for some reason, didn't take a linebacker on the draft, which stunned everybody. I mean, if there was ever a draft to get a linebacker, it was this one. Um, you know, whether it be like Devin Lloyd, you know, and the Kobe Dean, anybody that could be athletic and shoot the gap and make plays and be tough. They, quote, were happy with, with what they had and were, quote, um, excited that they had Cameron McGrone, a fifth-round pick coming off a torn ACL that was basically like an extra draft pick for them this year that's done absolutely zip uh, and is on the practice squad. So, but it starts on the defensive line. Lawrence Guy was out. To be honest with you, Lawrence Guy really didn't make that much of a difference when, when he was in there because teams were still running the ball. Um, in particular, Baltimore, who really did nothing as far as rushing goes, but had a really good game, you know, against the Patriots, and Lawrence Guy went out. So I think with all the money that you paid Devon Godchow, you don't have that prototypical inside guy, Vince Wilfork, you know, big guy on the nose that you have to worry about. They have to double team. And I think that combined with the lack of athleticism and really just good players at linebacker um, has literally led to this sort of really what is a sieve as far as the run defense goes. No high tower. You know, you got no high tower in there jacking people up. Bentley, I don't know what they see in Tavai. It's just a, just a mess, really, at the linebacker position. And that's tough. That's tough when you play in a yeah. division that's built the way ours is. And when you're just in, in the AFC as a whole, that's going to be tough to get away with because you need guys who can both play the run and cover. Like your front seven has to be pretty solid because the if you're going to compete with the upper echelon teams in this conference, you have to have that. Now, there is something of a, I don't want to call it a softening, but there is when you look at the schedule. You got the Cleveland Browns, who are still going to be led by Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> which Bill Belichick knows. <laughs> like, you guys know who Jacoby Brissett is. Bill Belichick knows who and what that guy is. It's, there's, there's the Chicago Bears on the schedule in front of you. But then you've also got the Detroit Lions, who, despite having the NFL's worst defense, have one of the most explosive offenses anybody's ever seen. And then Crazy. the New York yeah. Jets, who look like, even if their quarterback is, you know, he's up and down and their offensive line's all banged up, they finally got skill pieces, real skill pieces that are showing off. When yeah. we look at this, every single one of these games for you guys, uh, for a one and three start, has been a relatively close game. You've been playing all of these teams tough. And yet at the same time, now we're entering this stretch where there's some winnable games, but also if they don't go your way, the season could get away from you. Is there faith amongst the Patriots fan base that you guys can go at least better than 500 and get you know, at least keep pace with the rest of the AFC East over the next month? Yeah, and a lot of people are hanging the hat on Sunday. Again, like I said, I think Bill's sort of the performance is getting a bit overrated because they still did lose. But I think that what what the narrative has been coming out of that Packer game has been they were on the road, they showed toughness, they showed grit, 
They played their hearts out. They didn't quit. Um, and that's what we're hanging the hat on and saying, okay, like, you know, let's, let's at least hold down the fort until Mac comes back and the schedule is favorable for us. So we should be in decent shape. You know, we're not out of it yet at one and three. Um, that's sort of the feeling around here. I think they suck and I think they'll be lucky to win seven or eight games. So I'm not in that class. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just think they're not that good. So I told you back in, in the summer, I couldn't wait for this year to be over because I just didn't have any confidence in the coaching and Patricia and judge. And I just thought that they were just so far behind Buffalo and all the other top teams in the AFC to compete that I didn't think it was going to be, you know, anything worthwhile of a deep playoff run year, but um, Hey, that's why they play the games. You know, that's why I'm going to be sitting in front of my coach at one o'clock on Sunday, cheering them on like I always have <laughs> and hoping for the best, but I just, they're just not good. I'm sorry. They still lost on Sunday. They're just not good. I, I don't, you know. They don't have what said, it takes to get over the hump is what They don't. Is. They don't. My wife said, you're really tough on them this year. And I was like, well, I've been <laughs> tough on them since Tom left. So, <laughs> you know, give me a break. Like, I, I, I go, the regular season used to be a sleepwalk. Like, now you have to watch these games at home. Um, and, you know, you come out of it and you just like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, you're getting to find out how the rest of us have lived for decades, and I promise you there's very, very little sympathy to be had. Yeah, it really sucks. <laughs> Chris, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Chris with a T-I-A-N, and I uh, appreciate the uh, followers I've gained in the past couple of couple of weeks. Uh, people directly from Buffalo, obviously <laughs> I can see in their bios, they're uh, Buffalo Bills and uh, uh, Sabres fans. So give me a follow, give me a follow back, and... Uh, I won't disappoint you on game day, that's for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so that brings us to Gangrene, the New York Jets, who won their game 24-20 versus the Steelers. <clears throat> now, Scott Mason on the line with us. Chris just cringed because I coughed into the microphone. For the let me tear it on the fourth wall here, folks. I cough into the mic. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a button. I'm gonna buy a fucking. Co- I'm gonna spend the money. Hey, we're a podcast. We Scott make money. would Scott would know. Scott, how much does it cost to install a cough button? A lot, a lot. Guess what? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> we're getting a cough button because we make money, <laughs> sons of bitches. So. Your, your wife's going to be like, we we had money for our son's college until Drew decided he wanted a cough button. 
<laughs> hey, I'm a professional broadcaster now. I do what I want. The ideal situation for that would be uh, we take the money that was and get a cough button, and it's the money that was supposed to be for Jack's braces. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta t- I- I'll level with you, Scott. Let me paint a picture for you. We're all standing around my neighbor's driveway doing shots of Crown and celebrating what just felt like a really improbable Bills come from behind victory. And on my my neighbor's garage and his TV, or, see, TV in his garage, it cuts to the end of the Jets-Steelers game. And it might have been one of, like, a, like, for as exciting as the Bills ending was, Chris, didn't that feel just, like, inevitable? For the Jets? You, once, once we got our interception in the game, you just kind of knew, oh, the Bills have this now. Oh, I was there's a guy that I work with that's from Baltimore, and I was kind of I was, you know, in his not I wouldn't say in his face, but I was t- talking trash to him like the whole the whole game. And Poyer intercepted that ball in the end zone, and I looked at him after we uh, kicked the game winning field goal, and I was like, well, he, at least Poyer didn't run that back. <laughs> For a touchdown. <laughs> so so this happens, right? Like, ours felt inevitable. The, the, the Jets were fighting for their lives. And it was one of the best finishes to a football game that I watched this weekend. And here's why, Scott. And let me lay this out for you. Because in Cleveland, it almost felt more like the Browns lost the game than the Jets really, truly went out and won it. Because it just came after just a, a glaring series of gaffes and mistakes and just improbable things that they... It's like five different guys in their team just had brain farts that culminated in a Jets victory. In this one, you guys dug deep and earned a dramatic victory that was a lot of fun to watch. Do you think that this was a true learning moment for your young quarterback? I hope so. It's just it's funny because I don't want to... <laughs> Remember last year when he had that ridiculous game against the Tennessee Titans and they won in overtime. And I I was talking about how he showed these rare traits that so few quarterbacks have. And if he can build on that and then he had those struggles and then he got hurt and all that. So I don't want to get too crazy about it, but what I will say is for him to be able to do that at the end of the game, look, the jets were up early the Steelers took the lead, and at that point, the Jets were not doing much on offense. No, the last and five minutes so, was admittedly that last five, because I went back after I saw that yeah. final drive, and I was like, all right, well, i got to go watch this on Game Pass and see what it... I watched the condensed version of the game, and that last five minutes was rough. Like, the Jets' offense was sputtering. There wasn't a lot going, but when you got the when he got the ball back, and it was... Yeah. Th- like, that's where... Like, those possessions are where quarterbacks make their money. Because yeah. you're either a guy who can get it done or you're a guy who can't. And I, shockingly, he got it done. I think the way that I put it to my friend Robbie Sabo uh, over at Jets X Factor is Zach Wilson showed you simultaneously why he was the number two pick in the draft, but he also showed you in spots why he still got some work to do. So just for example, on those last two drives, the ones where they scored the touchdowns to win, they were both phenomenal drives, but – one pass, he tried to get a little too fancy through an underhand pass that almost got it, that got tipped and almost intercepted. The other uh, pass that he threw that was that missed, which was the only these were the only two passes he missed on the on the last two drives because he was perfect on the last drive. He threw a screen pass to Brees Hall that went about three yards over his head. 
And that's been a problem for him. And as you guys know, and this was the issue with Josh Allen, one of them early on, if you can't do the easy stuff, it makes everything much more difficult. Oh, then the hard stuff seems like the hard, like if you can't, like I used to watch, Chris, you remember, what was it, 2019, the Buffalo Bills had beaten the Tennessee Titans. We won a football game. Was that with all like the missed kicks? Where the Titans missed five field goal attempts in the game. And we won by four points. And I went on an epic rant. I'm on our post-game podium in my garage doing a press conference because our coach is so vanilla I had to do my own. (laughs) And I drunkenly with a beer in each hand fell off like the podium wheels weren't locked. And so when I tried to step off, it just rolled and I fell. It's a funny gif. It's out there. In fact, I'll tweet it out in the aftermath of this podcast just so people can see it. It's it's a hilarious gif. I chipped my elbow permanently. Like it's just I'm I'm I will have that as a permanent reminder of how much I hated Josh Allen because in that game I, I was I was adamant that he is not the answer and this game proves it because he needed all of this stuff to go right and he missked four different screen passes to wide right. open running backs where one of the passes I think ended up in the first row of the stands. And I'm just like I don't under if you don't understand at this level how to get that pass off. It's like if you can't do the easy thing, then making that difficult throw, the deep in, into what's going to be a tight window between the safeties down the field, you might as well be trying to get to the fucking moon. You might as well be trying to build a rocket ship in your backyard at that point. Right. And I I obviously only said that to stipulate that for as as great as he was in in the last moments, he's still got some work to do. And I don't want to get too crazy where now... Jets fans are going way too far in the other direction and oh he's going to be a top like he might but let's let's relax a little bit but that said man he was so good the one thing that I will say is even early on when he wasn't doing as well he there <laughs> the Steelers had 22 pressures right that's insane so he was pressured 22 drop times on dropouts and he only got sacked once so what that obviously tells you is that he was calm, he was comfortable, and he was able to get out of harm's way without it resulting in too many disasters. I mean, he had two interceptions that he threw. One was entirely his fault at the end of the first half. The second one, it wasn't a perfect pass. Tyler Conklin probably should have caught it. It bounced off his chest, but it, it wasn't – it was a rough pass, I'll say that. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is, again, you saw – why the Jets picked this guy number two overall, because some of those passes in, like you said, Drew, you watch the condensed version. I mean, holy cow, how good were some of those throws to Corey Davis? Just completely on the money. Couldn't have put him in. You couldn't have walked the ball over there better, and he's threading the needle and all that. And the thing that's interesting is for all the accolades or all the talk that we've heard about Garrett Wilson, especially after that incredible game, that he had against the Cleveland Browns and Elijah Moore who lit it up last year toward the end of the season. And who is obviously dynamic. Corey Davis sort of fell to the wayside and man, he has been tremendous so far this year. If you extrapolate his first four weeks, he's on pace to have eight touchdowns and 1105 receiving yards. And what they've really done with him this year, that's kind of interesting is, He's been doing a lot of things in the slot as this like big giant jumbo slot, and it's working. He's doing some fantastic stuff over the middle. He had one drop in week one 
that I don't even think was entirely his fault. It wasn't all that well of a ball thrown by Flacco. Uh, it was behind him. He still got his hands on it. So as, as Mike Davis, who appears on the show, is Garrett Wilson's uh, mentor and also a really good wide receiver, both at the University of Texas and for the Raiders, he likes to say, if you're a wide receiver, if the ball hits your skin, you got to bring it in. So ultimately, Davis should have caught it. But beyond that, He's been really, really good this year. Uh, Brees Hall, the, the offensive line just could not block for Brees Hall at all. And he still managed to come out of this thing with 66 yards in the game-winning touchdown. So, look, there, there were some things that you didn't like. The first three quarters were not the best. But Zach Wilson in crunch time came through, and you hope it's a turning point. Brees Hall continued to make plays in crunch time. You hope that that continues Garrett Wilson made some nice catches and, and ultimately the Jets pulled out a victory on the road against the team that has notoriously now granted they have TJ Watt out and all that, but they're notoriously tough to beat at home. So Mm -hmm. it's without a doubt, something that Jets fans should be happy about now. And I'm sure we're going to get into this in a second, but I think some Jets fans, as usual, are getting a little carried away. I'm super confident against the Dolphins. Like, all right, let's, re- let's relax. Let's relax. Calm down a little bit. But it does add a huge element of excitement because, look, if Zach Wilson, my friend Chris Walker, who helped uh, co-found playlikeajet.com with me, had a great line. He said, Zach Wilson, you want him to be that guy that, the opposing team scores a touchdown, goes up by six with like two minutes left. And the fans of that team go, shit, I can't believe they left two minutes on the clock for Zach Wilson. He's going to burn us. You want him to become that kind of guy, which is what you guys have in Buffalo now with Allen. I'm not saying he's there. I'm saying this was a step towards that. We'll see if he builds on it. Oh, for sure. And I, and I guess the thing is, so if, if this week, the, the theme of the show this week is just nail biters. All right, like we we're gonna talk to everybody about it, but so you guys come out of this game, uh, you're notorious for losing close games. Like it's mm-hmm. just these are the games where you guys lose the lead, and you just don't come back. I mean, I think it's I, I saw a stat somewhere, but you guys have like a very long running. Like if you guys don't have a lead by a certain point in the game, your win loss ratio is <laughs> hilariously skewed. And it's just, you guys have never been the team to come from behind. So it obviously feels good when you do it. But I think that the way that you're doing it is different from last year in Tennessee. Because I'm finally watching these, it's these young players. It's, to your point, Corey Davis is no longer being asked to play on the outside. He's now playing in the slot where he's going up against, like, Chris. We pointed out over and over again in the offseason how the Bills needed another X receiver. Because Gabe Davis's production has not come on the boundary as a boundary receiver. Throughout the course of his entire career, Gabe Davis has been at his best when he's allowed to play as a slot receiver. And no one, no linebacker or safety can cover him in that capacity. The problem is, is that we're now trying to make him the X and all of a sudden his production is dried up and everyone's shocked by it. But we were pounding the table about this for months. You guys just unlocked what might be, considering they're kind of similar athletes, big, big catch radius, fast. You might have just unlocked what makes Corey Davis valuable. And you've got you've got other rookies who are contributing. And you've got there is this youth movement that seems to already be showing you guys that maybe not today, but someday 
we might be something for this Jets franchise that paves the way to real sustainable success. So I'm seeing. Yeah, and and Drew, if I can quickly cut in and build on that point, Daniel Jeremiah put out his list of the top 25 rookies a quarter of the way through the season for 2022. Number one was Sauce. Number two was Garrett Wilson. Uh, Excuse me, number five was Garrett Wilson. Number eight was Brees Hall. And number 18 was Jermaine Johnson. Not only was all three of those guys ranked well ahead of their draft slot, but again, if you're talking about the Jets having three of the top 10 rookies, four of the top 20, and they're all at positions that are very impactful, it really tells you a lot. I mean, look, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall have a chance to be building blocks for this offense for a long time. Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson, same thing on the defense. So like you said, It's the fact that these young players are performing. Look, in week two against the Browns, the biggest takeaway for me from that comeback was, holy cow, Garrett Wilson was unstoppable, right? And in this one, it was, look at what Zach Wilson is doing in crunch time. So that's really what makes it so much more fun for Jets fans is the fact that for the first time in a long time, you're seeing the young talent and they're they're showing you what they could be. Like you said, maybe a glimpse into what this could be two, three years from now. It's a lot of fun. And before we let you go, so you guys are, first of all, does it feel good? Does it feel good to be 500 at <laughs> entering week five? Because that can't be a place that most reasonable Jets fans thought you would be at this point in the season. After everything that went on in the preseason, the Zach Wilson injury, all of it. Well, you know how it is. There's a good 500 and a bad 500. The bad 500 would have been they won two ugly games with Joe Flacco and they just beat teams that weren't good that day or whatever. The good 500 is Zach Wilson had this tremendous fourth quarter performance. Garrett Wilson was all over the place. Uh, Brees Hall is playing well. You're seeing some some great stuff from Sauce and so on and so forth. So I, I think the fact that they're 500 and the young players are showing out that's really the magic combination. Now, they're playing the Dolphins this week. And, and the problem I have, of course, is that everybody keeps talking about, oh, the Dolphins are on the ropes, the Jets are on the rise, all this. Remember, after the Jets beat the Browns, we talked about, oh, is this going to be a turning point, blah, blah, blah. And then they came out and got shellacked in their home stadium against the Bengals. And we have to remember, the Dolphins are still a very talented team. I just talked to, to our mutual friend, Alfar Tiaga, for a podcast that's going to air later this week. And we talked about this. The Dolphins are a very talented roster, even with Teddy Bridgewater. Look, you get the ball in a Tyreek Hill's hands or in a Jalen Waddell's hands, and they're going to make stuff happen. They you don't do necessarily the work. Have, well, that's yeah, it. It's, to, it's like having – it's like autopilot, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be glib, but it's like having autopilot where you're like, hey, I don't have to throw the ball 75 yards down the field for a touchdown. I can right. throw it 15 and let this guy get me another 15. Exactly. And look, Teddy Bridgewater is nobody's idea of an elite quarterback, but he's good enough to do that. Teddy Two Gloves? There's there's something hilarious to me about a quarterback that wears two gloves at the same time. Like, Chris, didn't Tom Brady do that for a hot minute? I have no idea. I feel like I watched Tom Brady do that at some point in his career. 
But e- either way, I just I see this and I I, I just I, I feel for your team because I I mean if you guys want, I know you guys are hurting for tackles right now. Chris <laughs> tells everybody he won't shut up about the fact that he thinks he's an athlete. I mean he, he's willing to put the helmet on. Look, I told you if you guys want to make a phone call to your buddy John Fina and see if he'll come out of retirement. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, whoa, Jets, whoa, whoa. My ape, index, right now. my ape index is the same as Sonny Liston's. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm over two hundred pounds. I'm I've I've got some <laughs> I've got some sandpaper. And extra skin. Put me in the game, coach. Yeah. Look so, at Chris with his zinger. I love that. Oh, uh, he's the best. So I'm excited for you guys. I'm just happy that this isn't the usual. Isn't it good to get to look down on another team on this show? <laughs> like you get to come on here and we all get to stare down and be like, ah, peasant. <laughs> At least we're Patriots not that franchise. Bailey Zappi. We're all <laughs> laughing now, but it's not going to be that funny when Bailey Zappi turns into the next Tom Brady. Don't you dare speak that. You, you know what? You speak that <laughs> but, evil but, into existence, you got to get the hell out of here. But by the way, real quick thing, since I brought up Tom Brady, I just want to reference your old friend, Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure by now you've seen that Cole Beasley, who had signed with the Bucks a couple weeks ago, announced his retirement. And I was saying, you got to figure, right? So you hear all this stuff yesterday. Tom Brady and Giselle looks like they're getting divorced. They got lawyers, the whole thing, right? Cole Beasley had to be staring across the locker room at Tom Brady, seeing what's going on. And then he's like, you know what? Nope, not doing this. All right, I'm coming home. <laughs> Uh, I'm not getting. It's not going to be me. I'm coming home. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a husband. The hell with all that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know why? Because unlike Tom Brady, his wife is probably not making more money than him. I would say that's probably a safe bet. <laughs> Bangs the Dan. Well, it's always a good time when we get together. Hopefully, we have more good news to talk about next week. Hopefully, you can do the bills a solid. Hopefully, your boys can take care of business. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you on social and uh, where they can find Play Like a Jets content. I was just going to say, you guys got to root for the Jets this week against the Dolphins, although I will say it's kind of funny. Not that I expect this to happen, but in the unlikely event that the Jets were to beat the Dolphins and the Bills were to lose to the Steelers, you know, the Jets would actually technically be in first place. So that would be Holy insane. Sh- See, now that's how cra- <laughs> I hadn't even given that a second thought. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect it to happen. I'm just saying it's kind of funny that that that's a possibility theoretically. Um, so yeah, you can find Play Like a Jet anywhere where you download podcasts: Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, whatever it is that you use. Playlikeajet.com. We've got articles up. Our YouTube channel. Man, Luke Grant has just been on a tear lately with all this great content. He just put up one dissecting Zach Wilson's fourth quarter performance. And, and how great it was with the All-22 film. He, he's got a couple up. Uh, one of them that, that really broke down how good Quentin Williams has been. Quentin Williams has been an absolute beast. I'm sorry, I have to throw that in there before I run because a lot of people would talk about Quentin Williams and say, oh, you know, Nick Bosa, he's great, and Quentin Williams is just another player. Well, Quentin Williams is not just another player. Quentin Williams is blossoming into one of the best players in the league on defense. And it's been amazing to watch him. So if you want to see that, Luke's got a breakdown on our channel. It's youtube.com slash play like a jet. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And guys, like you said, this is going to be an interesting week because you've got the Steelers and the Bills. You got the Dolphins and the Jets. It's only a couple days away. And as our friend, uh, former NXT champion, Karrion Cross might say, tick tock, tick tock. 
And so that brings us to the Buffalo Bills, still sitting in second place in the AFC East. But we won. We at least tied it up and made it interesting. 23-20 over the Ravens. It's funny to me that in beating the Ravens, the Bills helped Baltimore set some really, really ugly records. Uh, five consecutive home losses for the first time in franchise history. Very un-Ravens-like. Second time blowing a 17-point lead this season. They had won in all of their franchise's history before this. That seems not good, right? No. Okay. And then worse might be one of your all-pro talents, Marcus Peters, screaming at your head coach and having to be separated from them by the rest of the coaching staff as the Bills kick the game-winning field goal. That's a bad look, isn't it? It can be, but, I mean, Harbaugh came out and had that explanation of why he decided to go for it on fourth and goal. I mean, you weren't... As a coach, you're not anticipating an interception in the end zone to bring it out to the 20. I mean, if they kick a field goal there, the way that the Bills have been playing throughout the second half, they're just going to go right down the field and either tie the game force overtime or just go fucking win the game. That's fair. Okay. And and I'll hear some of that. Not all of it, but some of it. I I think the Ravens, like, average giving up over 400 yards a game. Yeah, defense ain't good. So you you're you're now sitting at three and one. You're three and one. And the Buffalo Bills injury list. You know, if we're you know, obviously we already had our recap, we already had our preview for the week. Go check those podcasts out if you haven't. This will be the la- this is the last podcast to air every single week. So if you haven't, go check those out. That injury list looks what like what your driving record should look like. <laughs> Just long <laughs> problems everywhere. Do you know what the best is? My record is almost spotless. I mean, I could say whose driving record it reminds me of. But <laughs> you, you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. Hey, uh, hey, what, we're on two. We're on opposite sides of the coin, sir. Opposite sides of the coin. Realistically, I'm I'm an aggressive driver. I, I <laughs> you could even put that in quotes. Aggressive. Uh, I think I passed a column of vehicles today. There's a road I take to get to work. That's a straightaway for over two and a half miles. It's a two and a half mile straightaway. A little hilly in the middle, and then you can see to the end of it. I passed a column of eight vehicles today. On my drive to work at 7.45. Not even, I didn't even think about it. I just did it. <laughs> we, could, <laughs> we could make money, I think, doing this. People that listen to our show, I, I would say the diehards, they wouldn't mind getting driven to work by Drew Gear just so they can experience you. Like, I've seen you. I've, I've seen you. Had to hustle? Yeah. I've, you, I've seen, seen how it you. goes? I've seen. I've been in the truck before. <laughs> White knuckled, yeah. <laughs> yeah. White knuckled. We could make some money doing this. <clears throat> so I guess this is what I'll say: we're three and one, and yet our injury situation is—it's ugly. But we're three and one, and realistically, like I think that this point is almost being overblown by our own fan base at this point. Like people looked at the Ravens game and people bitching about injuries. 
We okay, so we've got a Gabe Davis with a bum wheel. We lose Crowder. We lose McKenzie. Clear Shakir steps in and just starts making plays. And honestly, his two first downs in that game, how clutch were they? His first one that he got was that was money. Yeah. How about the second one? I don't remember it. Instrumental down the stretch. So the point here is, Chris, I think that when you look around the NFL, more than in most seasons, I I, I kind of had to like pull, I had to step back from my Bills fandom and look at the NFL as a whole, which is something I like to do because I'm petty and I like to look at who else can I point and laugh at. The Chargers. Well, there's a lot of teams. When you look at the injury situations around the AFC right now, hell, around our own division, let's start there. How about this? The Buffalo Bills are the only team to not miss a game from their starting quarterback. Seems about right. Okay, let's start there if you want to cry about how bad our injury situation is. We are the only ones who are going to see every single game. Allegedly. Through the first four weeks with our starting quarterback from start to finish. Already you're doing better than your competition, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. So then you extrapolate that outside of the A. Because I start to wonder, I go, listen... Jets lose Zach Wilson for two games. Mac Jones is sobbing somewhere at home on his couch still, and he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Tua may or may not be concussed. No one really knows. We're never going to know. Justin Herbert has a rib injury. And he's going to try to play through it and play like shit. Yeah, I think he's just afraid to get any kind of... He's just going to. Wouldn't you be? Yeah, I wouldn't want their doctor stabbing me in the ribs with a needle. Yeah, how many more times are you going to do that? You're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I've got maybe, I've got a one in three chance that he just punctures my lung with this. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. You look around the NFL, for as bad as our situation is, I pulled up spotrack.com and I looked at res- people, players on injured reserve by team. Do you know where the Buffalo Bills sit? Probably between 25 and 32. Way down there. Farther down than 25. We only have four players currently on injured reserve. $6 million worth of, $6.9 million worth of total cap space. Botker, Hyde, Stevenson. Trey White. Trey White. The Cleveland Browns lead the NFL with 12 players on injured reserve. And $11.7 million in cap space. The Tennessee Titans have 11 for $27.9 million in cap space, which tells you the pl- Taylor Lewan for the season. Yeah. Like they've got some of the, the well, who else? Uh, uh, Harold Landry, the recent, recently re signed Harold Landry. Yep. For the season. They're missing some gigantic pieces of what their roster was supposed to be. You go down this list, the Baltimore Ravens, who we just beat, have 10 players for $13 million. The Denver Broncos are 9 for $34 million. <laughs> These are teams that are missing cornerstone pieces of what their team was supposed to be this season to injury. So I'm sorry, but I can no longer point to injuries as an excuse for the Buffalo Bills. That Miami game, like we talked about, I, I named the podcast No Excuses. 
like there's no excuses because everybody's dealing with injuries right now. I go to ESPN and I look at just NFL injuries and they give me every single team here. Right now I'm looking at uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Evan McPherson, their kicker, is questionable. The Chiefs lost missed what they lost Harrison Bucker had to play that uh, Colts game without him. Yep. Or did he come back in that game and that was the one where he missed a couple? I don't know. They had Matt Wright. They've had Matt Wright kick for him. I think at least before as that far it was Matt Amendola. Yeah, they've had three kickers in three weeks. And the, it's fucking wild. <laughs> What's I mean, happening? Not due to injury, but the Lions cut their kicker because he sucked. You look around, right? Like I'm looking at. I'm, I'm just. I'm just looking at all of these teams in the AFC, and then you look at the Buffalo Bills right now. All I see are questionable tags. So while our injury list is long, right, it's not, like, if anything, we got lucky by comparison to so many of these other teams, and you see some of them struggling as a byproduct of it. The Broncos just lost Javante Williams for the season. That was a bad knee injury. ACL and there was some other ligament too he tore. The LCL and some stabilizing ligament on the side of that. Like, not a PCL, but something else. Call in if you know. But it's... You go around the league and you're finding out that these teams... You know, Derek Stingley, one of the few young stars that the Houston Texans are supposed to have. They don't have him. They don't have Justin Britt. They're without, like, so... (laughs) There's just so many players. Uh, J- Jonathan Taylor is out for the Indianapolis Colts. He's their offense. He is literally the only thing that the Colts have. He's out. It's like what? When you look around the NFL right now, everybody is fucking hurt. So I don't want to hear about it. Can we agree, you and I, here in this basement tonight, we as the Buffalo Bills are three and one despite this litany of injuries. Yeah. Despite the fact that we look, yeah, our our injury list is long, but they're all questionable. None of them are done for the season. Micah Hyde. That's it. It's the only one. It. Christian Benford, the guy we were all fired up about, he will be back. Ed Oliver will be back, even if he doesn't play this week. Jordan Phillips. Jake Kumaro, he will return. You're talk, when Trey White takes the field, you're going to have your pick in a month, barring anything else crazy happening. Like, imagine that. Two to three weeks. Christian Benford comes back, takes the club off. You've now got Dane Jackson, Benford, Elam, White. That's a, you, that's you, a really you, good foursome of corners. You went from being ter- – and Teron Johnson. Oh, yeah. You went from being terrified – about what your cornerback depth the, the, didn't I did I or did I not? I, maybe it's just this cold, this cold Montucky. But didn't a certain podcaster get hammered and tell everybody repeatedly over the course of the summer that I was not concerned about anybody outside of that first game from a cornerback perspective? Yeah. Okay. So we made it. And then we took more injuries to those young cornerbacks. And guess what? The Bills just keep winning football games. I, what I think you're seeing is this concept that we're far, like the coaching staff. Remember when I said that they built this thing with purpose? There's a reason they didn't go out and get veterans. 
Because they knew what this... Now you add that super deep cornerback room of young, inexpensive talent, and you look around the rest of the defense, when this thing gets healthy, there's no telling how dominant that defense can be. You're going to have options. You could rotate a Benford into the slot when teams decide to go big slot on you. You can do things that you couldn't do in the past. You could play dime if you had to for the first time in a long time because you're not scared about who your fourth cornerback is going to be. Because now these kids have proven to you that they can ball. They can play on an NFL stage. Oh, by the way, your defensive line? Your defensive line is fucking gross! The depth of your D-line saved your ass against the Baltimore Ravens. Practice squad guys came in and made game-changing plays. Now what? <laughs> who, who can threaten you down the stretch? It's an incredible place for Bills fans to be. And I think that we are incredibly lucky. So instead of bemoaning all of the injury things that have gone on, you need to treat them like what they are, which is opportunities. There are opportunities to find out what your team is made of. And what we figured out is that all of these defensive injuries have proven that our defense is well-coached, well-developed, and ready to roll on any offense that takes the field in the NFL. Now, we have yet to see what comes from the offense, Chris. That's where this whole thing hinges, doesn't it? Yeah. The wide receiver room is a problem right now. We talked about in our pre in our recap show about how there's a lot of flops this offseason. There's been a lot of things that the Bills did that have not panned out. And now we just have to hope, right? Like as they get healthy, as things start to... We have to hope things matriculate on that side of the ball. But if they do, you're looking at arguably the best team in the NFL, bar none. And this is what Vegas is looking at. This is why we're... This is why we're favored by 14 points this weekend. This is why we're still the Super Bowl favorites. It's why we're still favored in every single game as you go down the line. It's because of this. So injuries be damned. Everyone needs to quit whining. (laughs) Open a beer and say it with me. (gasps) Goose Fraba. And we finish. Oh, man. I got to get a fresh. I got to get a fresh beer for this one. We finish with the team that for now. For today is still on top of the AFC East. For the foreseeable future. <laughs> We're talking about the Miami Dolphins, who lost 27-15 to the Bengals. We have Mr. Elfar Tiago, who uh, has a bone to pick with Twitter PhDs. <laughs> oh, Elf, Jesus. What was, what was it like to be a Dolphins fan this past week? I feel like, like Dolphins Twitter is always a little chaotic, but this week... This might have been the the worst I've ever seen it. Yeah, it reminded me back to when, uh, and we've we've always experienced this down here. For whatever reason, the 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 Northeast media, ESPN, and the West Coast media, and I've spoken about this many many a times. And remember, I work for all these people, so I kind of know. <laughs> all right, uh, all these producers like they have regional interests, and they kind of know you know who to stoke and where to stoke. Uh, for example, do you understand uh, where ESPN's audience is from? If you understand that, you know that 27% of it is from the northeast of the United States. Okay, mm-hmm. So it stands to reason if you start hitting on Miami teams, you, it's going to be a popular note to play, right? Mm-hmm. We've, been, we've, been, we've been dealing with this for, for ages down here. From Sports Illustrated asking for the University of Miami to disband the entire program <laughs> twice because they did it once in the 80s and decided, you know what, let's do it again. 
And then this time, let's do it. Let's, t- let's just take the word of a, a total piece of crap like Ben Shapiro. Or not Ben Shapiro. What the hell was the, uh, that guy's name? Uh, Nevin Shapiro. Okay. Let's just take his word for it. And let's let's disband it again. Let's just do it again. So that's the only, by the way, that's the only, uh, that's the only college team that has ever had two front page articles written about them, asking them to disband the entire, uh, the entire program. Okay. Wow. To the big three era where, you know, the Miami Heat's biggest sin was that they used free agency to sign two guys. (laughs) Okay. That was their biggest sin to now everything, every little fart that comes out of, Davy and now, for that matter, Miami Gardens is now escalated into this giant hullabaloo. And by the biggest hypocrites in the sport, Bill Belichick, Rex Ryan, John Harbaugh, those three guys. Jesus Christ, are those three guys <laughs> my favorite total pieces of crap or like, what? Like you, you had you had a tweet this week. There's a couple tweets you had this week that really had me going. The first one was when you tweeted it myself. Uh, Greg Thompson of Cover One, who our listeners know very well, who you had a you were beefing with, uh, Nate Geary, who you have a long-standing rivalry with that will resolve on this podcast at some point later this season. Yeah, by the way, that's not that's not very that you know that's not very fair. I'm going to show up on your podcast when it's going to be like 80 below zero in in December, and <laughs> it's for the division title, and the Dolphins have no no hope whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, if we win that, Jesus Christ! Well, that's like, wow. it. Wow. But then you tweeted at all of us and just said, you guys are so much better <laughs> than the Patriots fans. And I was like, uh-oh, they've broken him. Uh-oh. The fact that he's – these people who I constantly battle with, I still like you more than these other people. That's when I knew something was wrong. And then I went down your Twitter feed and I see you tweeted Stephen A. Smith's video, like bloviating, just about how people need to be fired and that the coach needs to be fired. But the cherry on top, and this is when I kind of really, because you know what, it's one of those things where like, obviously you can get caught up in the moment. You as a sports fan, you get dragged in by the media. You hear all these storylines and you go, you know what, that's correct. These people are to blame. And the more you hear it, the more you hear it, even if you have a dissenting opinion, you still kind of start to lean the other way for the most part. But for me, I'm always just like, I, I try to take a look around and be like, who agrees with me on this? And if the people who are agreeing with me on a subject are also assholes, I take a step back and I go, ah, all right. <laughs> all right, because I don't know if if that guy's on this team, then I need to reevaluate where I am and see if I can't move back towards the middle. So when Bill Belichick decided to come out and talk about how, oh, you know, I've absolutely, I've, I've absolutely taken guys off the field if I thought they weren't fit to play, because you know, the fact that he's so salty at this point because his team is in the basement of the division that he has, he's... Is it almost sad watching an old man grasp for straws like that? No, not this guy. Not, not Bill <laughs> Belichick. Not at all. Okay. No. Uh, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but you know we have the all-time winning coach of all time down here, Don Shula. Mm-hmm. If you don't think we're watching the demise of Bill Belichick and rooting for that day where he gets absolutely canned, gets fired by Bob Kraft, and falls short of breaking Don Shula's win record, <laughs> if you don't think we're counting those days, then, you know, if you think that we live in the past talking about the 72 team, wait till it gets closer. And, you know, and Bill Belichick turns in what is slated to be. Trust me, I can't wait to watch. Look, I know that the Dolphins are playing the Jets. I'll be watching that game with great interest, obviously. But Detroit, I believe, is playing the Patriots. Detroit's mm-hmm. offense is really, really, really good. 
They just hung 45 points, missing three wide receivers. Man, <laughs> if Detroit can manage to hang a 40-burger on Bill Belichick, how delicious would that be? Uh, because I'm just waiting for that disaster season for Bill Belichick. <laughs> the I'm, one where I'm just it really it, falls and apart. We, and I think we might get it. Like, it's looking good, right? It's at least looking good. Uh, you, you have to love it. So... Obviously, everyone has an opinion. I'm assuming you're of the opinion that the team, obviously, the NFLPA fired the doctor, right? They said, hey, yeah. here's a, so for everyone pointing the finger at the organization, I get it. You, there maybe is, like like I said, maybe Belichick's point has a little bit of, I get where he's coming from, this sentiment that. Yeah, but the reason they fired the doctor was because he didn't know. Well, yeah, he didn't know what role, he was doing. <laughs> he and he was, was hostile to the investigation. I would be hostile, too, if somebody was trying to explain to me my expertise. Like, people don't understand. The NFLPA is just, it's a union. Of course. So this you is know, so, so this, this is, is not the a, thing this too. is not a collection of newer scientists. And okay? I get where some of the public angst comes from too, because you you get the guys. Uh, Andrew Whitworth comes out and talks about how all oh, my teammates had to pull me off the field. I get that. Okay, I've moved in a different direction because the days in the days following this incident, I'll admit I was on the hey these guys need to burn for this because this was a stupid choice. But the more you look at it, and the more you hear about it, and you see what happened, I think it's much ado about not, not nothing, but it's. Listen, who's actually culpable? Does it matter? Or are we just looking to pillory somebody? And to your point, this is a target that everybody, like, everybody likes it when you punch down on this guy. So let's do that. Let's do this for a while. Give them their turn in the barrel so we can get our, everyone can get their say in, their think piece out, their blurb on the radio. I just, I'm over it already. I don't care. Instead, I want to talk to you. Like, are you there yet? Or how how quickly did you get to that point? Well, we just finished recording an episode right now, okay? And we did 40 minutes on this because Simon's like, oh, we shouldn't care. And uh, Chris and I were trying to explain to Simon, no, we should really care. Because listen to what these people are saying, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, at some point you got to try to set the record straight. And I understand, like, it's, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. Can you curse on your, on your podcast? Of course. No? The fuck okay, it's I like want. shoveling shit to stop the tide, all right? Like, it's probably not going to work. But you're going to try, though, aren't you? You at least got to say your piece. And if nobody listens, it doesn't matter. At least you go to bed at night knowing you said it. Well, guys, Yeah, but it's just the hypocrisy. Like, uh, are you aware of what Joe Burrow just said on <laughs> Colin Cowherd's show this morning? Uh, yeah, well, I know he does his podcast like every Wednesday. I saw the headline that he's, like, blacked out multiple times during games. <laughs> Well, because he's the most sacked quarterback of the last two seasons. Of course, he's blacked out. Like if you said to me at some point during that, well, what was that playoff game against Tennessee where he was sacked nine times? If you looked at me and said, you know, Burrow looks a little woozy, I'd say, yeah, no shit. He's getting his belt on. <laughs> what do you want him to do? Ugh. it's yeah. it's, and that's what I'm talking about. Is that the farther you go down this, Isaiah McKenzie. Got a concussion in the Ravens game this past week and had to leave the game. And he came back on his podcast with our friend uh, Tyler Dunn and said that uh, basically I'm a football player. I signed up for this. So eh, it's a thing that happens. I'll take it as it comes and I'll deal with it because I knew that was the job when I signed the contract. Like, this is why I'm out here. When I put the helmet on, I understand that this is the, these are the, so when people are out here acting like, well, the organization needed to do more, it's like, okay, yes, they do need to do more to protect people from themselves, but ultimately it's that guy's decision, isn't it? Yes. 
It is. Like I've yeah. come I've come full circle on this whole conversation. I'm glad you're there too. Guys, go listen to three yards per carry for more of this because I guarantee you the three of these guys de- do a great job of breaking this down in a way that can make sense to even anybody who's willing to be reasonable. And that's coming from a man who is often the most unreasonable person in the room. So in talking about the game, you guys lose to the Bengals, but you further illustrated something that's kind of been a trend. We were actually DMing about it as it was kind of happening. The Bengals don't look good in 2022. And yet, and, and even in, in a loss, I saw some things about the Dolphins that I'm interested in. I, I messaged you about Sherfield. Yes. Where did this guy come from? San Francisco, and evidently uh, underutilized in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco was in the NFC Championship game last year. They got Brandon Ayuk. They got Debo Samuel. So, evidently, they weren't using him enough. Uh, but he's a young guy who's 6'1", 225 pounds, could evidently really run. Mean, he's, nasty blocker. He, well, that's, um, that's the thing that stood out to me. Like, most, most of the time when you see a wide receiver you've never heard of before – and they're not the most imposing guy. You go, oh, okay, that's that's nice. They've got another body out there. And you watch him, you know, you watch him lay some hits. And then at the same time, I'm like, okay, so he's a blocking wide receiver. Oh, but he's open, downfield. Open downfield making like 16, 17-yard grabs. This is interesting because your offense is already dangerous enough with Waddle, with Hill, so when I see this guy start to make splash plays with a backup quarterback in, that kind of sh- it speaks to the depth that the Dolphins have cultivated there at wide receiver. Whereas over the last few years, you guys have had nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And and River Craycraft, let's not you know let's sell him uh, short. He's a guy who's bounced around. They found a, a role for him, and they found a role for him because he seems to get open a lot in the in the red zone. And they still have Cedric Wilson, who's nursing uh, hurt ribs. Who he was, he came into the Bills game injured already, and since then he's been really ineffective. Uh, I, I think his rib injury is is worse than it's being led on. But you know the Dolphins. If, if one thing is consistent with the Dolphins, they're not very forthcoming with injuries. Okay, <laughs> like they, they they won't say you know who has what. All they'll say is, oh, this guy's limited, that guy's limited, and uh, as our coach said. Uh, uh, Keon Crossan has a buttock thing this week. <laughs> so whatever that means, right? <laughs> so so the guy who got hit with a punt in the ass doesn't have a buttock thing, but this guy does. That's yes. funny to me. So then yeah. just so your thoughts on this game and the quality of the Cincy offensive line, because we talked about this a few weeks ago about how I don't think as far as underreactions and overreactions, I don't think that the Cincy offensive line is as fixed as their fan base wanted to believe it was after the draft and after free agency. What did you think about the job your front seven did in that department and what you learned about Cincy through that process? Well, I thought that our front seven did a very nice job against the run, and that was evident by what Joe Mixon didn't produce. Uh, against the pass, uh, if you watch the game, the Bengals had had this game plan where they were just going to get rid of the ball very, very quickly. And then, you know, we had the injury bug completely dismantle our secondary. I don't know if you noticed at halftime, there was mm-hmm. no more Xavier Howard. Uh, we we were essentially out there with just Caterco, who's had a great season. Look, I, I you know, I got to say he's been as advertised. And Nick Needham and nobody else because evidently Keon Crossan also had a buttock thing and he had to leave the game for a little while as well. But, you know, they managed to get a little bit of pressure and they only got the one sack. So you would have liked to, to see them get to the quarterback a little bit better. 
But like I said, I, you know, and remember, I was on your show and I said and I said that I didn't feel like the Dolphins could win that game. Like there was just too much going against them. And in my opinion, if you're a good team, you win at home on Thursday night, no matter what. I didn't come away too impressed with the with the Bengals in that game. I just didn't. So moving, looking ahead, two is already ruled out for this week's game. Now you're playing the Jets, who don't have any offensive tackle. <laughs> they don't have any tackles. They, they they don't have a ton on the offensive line at all. But two has already been ruled out, and I see that there's Dolphins fans already clamoring for Skylar Thompson, which is hilariously on brand for Dolphins Twitter. Your thoughts about the quarterback room heading into this matchup? Obviously, I th- think we can both agree Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Okay. So. The infatuation with Skylar Thompson will have to wait for another day. Bridgewater's your starter. Do you think that with a week of prep as the starter, not getting thrown in and have to, do you think that even with the injuries that you guys have on defense, you guys have the goods to allow you to keep your half-game lead in the AFC East, at least for another yeah. week? <laughs> they should. That's how the team was constructed. Like, uh, I expect the offense to go under some, some changes, but uh, we just finished doing our podcast and – Chris Kaufman mentioned some of the numbers uh, that the Dolphins have. With with Tuatunga Bailoa, they have the number one offense out of 11 personnel in the NFL, and they have the number one passing offense out of the shotgun, okay? If you told me what are two staples of 49er Mike McDaniel offense, it would not be throwing out of the shotgun, and it would not be 11 personnel. It would be 21 personnel and playing under, under the center, right? Uh, that's not that hasn't been the case, but that's Tua's game. Like Tua's game is in that shotgun and is in eleven personnel with three wide receivers. I think they might be able to get to more of what Mike McDaniel probably wants to do with the running game with Teddy Bridgewater. So you're going to see him under center. You're going to see a lot of play action. You're going to see it's going to be boring, in other, in <laughs> other words. But it's going to be it's going to try to be efficient, and it's going to try to you know just stay out of the way of a pass rush that should decimate that that Jets offense. I think the Jets are not a bad team, but they're not there yet. And I don't think they're there yet to beat a roster, this roster, that was constructed to try to win a game just like this. There's a reason we're paying Teddy Bridgewater almost $7 million. Well, that's what I was going to say. Anyone who thought Skylar Thompson was stepping in is an idiot because there's a seven, there's 7 million reasons Teddy Bridgewater's your starter. It will be interesting to see the offensive philosophy on display here and see if we don't if they don't go back to more of an old-school 49ers offense in this one just to try to, A, protect the defense a little bit, and B, see if they can get some more juice out of these other positions to help push the offense over the top. I can't wait to see it. Where can people find you on Twitter in the meantime, and where can they go check out the show you guys just recorded where they can go hear all of your thoughts on this Tua concussion situation? Oh, yeah. If you need more concussion talk, obviously, <laughs> you got to find our podcast wherever you get your podcast, and that's the number three yards per carry. You could get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Spotify iTunes, anywhere, Google Podcasts. And, of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's the number three yards per carry. Christian Simonelli, Alpha Artiaga, Scott Mason. They are the too cool of the AFC East. <laughs> too cool! <laughs> Is that with, wait, which one's Rikishi? He's a fat man. Yeah, I know, but so I'm saying which one of our... Which one of our guests is Rikishi? Probably Alf. No, no. Don't do that to Alf. Probably Alf. And then uh, <laughs> Scott Mason would be Scott Taylor. And then uh, Simonelli would be Brian Christopher because he's dead. 
I was going to say, out of the three of them, I still think Elf is the best dancer. Probably could be. So that makes sense. He is a, he is, what, is he Cuban? Do we know if Elf's Cuban? I don't know, but Ar- I'm, you, know what he, you know what he is? He's a guy who wears Skechers. Skechers? He's an old man. Cigars and a nice glass of uh, bourbon. Nice glass of bourbon, but also he's a beer guy. I, lo- I love this. I, I can't wait for the day that we get to drink with Elf Artiaga. It's going to be a lot of fun. But so as we look back, the Patriots are in the basement. The Jets are going into Sunday with a puncher's chance to actually be leading the AFC East when the dust settles. I can already tell that this is going to be the best season of this podcast we've had. I can feel it in my bones. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC East Roundup. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.